You know what? You got to admit it. Cybercrime is something you think about, but guess what? It only happens to other people right now. You might think that nobody wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or your credit card numbers and those details, but you'd be wrong. Listen, stealing data from unsuspecting people like yourself on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your Internet connection unencrypted, yes, that's a big word, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I've decided that everything that I do is going to be protected from cyber criminals because I use ExpressVPN. Now, ExpressVPN secures an anonymous, this is a fun word, anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Now, turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. I love it. It's on my phone. It's an app. Boom, hit it right there, even when I'm browsing on my on my cell phone. So using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. It is the number one rated VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So here's what you got to do. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash watch Chad. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Chad for three months with a one-year package. Go to expressvpn.com for more information. You know, every now and then we like to do a couple of short segments that could be controversial or full of debate or ideas or just simple things that get you thinking or maybe even laughing. Sometimes, sometimes we pick some topics that are just things you just haven't thought about. So today I've got my lovely wife, Jade, Hello. in the hot seat. Party foul Steve's over there in the peanut gallery. And of course, we got Puppet Master Mark, Candice, Queen of the Ethiopians, and she has the head. You have the head over there, and she she's going to pull a topic, the head. We're always pulling ideas out of the head. So what topic should we discuss today? <laughs> Candy, okay. see. Should we edit our children's genomes? Should we edit our children's <laughs> genomes? Steve, do you know what a genome is? <laughs> something in the DNA, right? That makes up who we are, what we are. What and who you are. Right. I, your I, genes. I heard that on yeah. the internet or something. Your genomes. Jade, you're a nurse practitioner. Yeah. And and I don't have a lot of experience with genes and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But You're I think, wearing jeans. Well, that's true. But these are a different this kind of gene. This is Yeah. Spelled differently. G E N E S, right? Well, yeah, not these the genes. genes. We're about. Yeah. yeah, not J E A N. So, anyways, <laughs> um, like I said, I don't have a big background in that, but I have a feeling the reason anybody would be thinking about that would have to do with diseases and conditions that they're trying to avoid um, in their children. What if I just want to make my kids better? Like, I want him to run faster, hit the ball farther. I want him to hit harder. Like, I want to. I want to. I want a super robo child. I, no, I, I personally overall don't think it's a good idea. I think when we start trying to do something like that, the human being is going to do whatever it wants to do in the end, and it's going to come back around to, to smack us in the bottom. Don't you remember when Skynet went 
live and became self-aware, and suddenly the Terminators took over. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, do you remember what the date was? It was August. Hmm. August 23rd. I could be wrong on that. I don't know. When Skynet became self-aware. But, like, we could have super kids. We could just start altering them. You remember when Jeff Goldblum became a fly? Yes. In that movie, The Fly. Yes, it was gross. And and he said, I feel great. I feel, like, (laughs) Uh strong. Mm -hmm. And then he puked on stuff and ate it. Yes. And it was acid. That was fantastic. Like, I'd be so proud of my kid at that point. I was going to say, if if we (laughs) could do it, why not? Well, because like I said, so, something is, is going to be off. I, I well, you no, know. you're going to go in there and fix everything and make the perfect human being. All right. So if we could alter your genomes, Steve, what would we alter about you? <laughs> Everybody else's head yes. looked south as well. Yes. Steve, Steve, thank God. If you're listening to this podcast. I would want a little smaller feet. I was looking, I was like, <laughs> I wear a size 13. I was like, I've settled for about a 10 and a half or 11. Okay. that That's so where I you're going to go. I mean, well, you can, if you could alter everything, you could go in and make the, whatever, you know, I, I guess everybody's would be different still though. Cause what you would think as a parent, you think these are all the qualities that you should have or should not have. You're going to go fix all that. So you still be different. No, like well, my like when my boys when they when they walk down the beach, you know, there'd be two bare footprints, and then there'd be like this this dragon mark right between their legs where they were walking down the beach. <laughs> Shorten that up a little bit. <laughs> just be just be like they're dragging a rake between their legs, but whatever. I think we'd have people trying to figure out broomstick. You know, they they'd be upset because then they'd have these supposed perfect human beings, but then there'd be other people upset that these perfect human beings didn't get to pick what they wanted. So then we would have genome privilege, genome yes. privilege. That's what you'd have. Yes. Because inevitably you would have someone who couldn't afford the genome reconstruction, and then we would have genome privilege, and there would be people who would be just left out in the cold as normal human beings and you know with what? flaws and pimples and freckles and <laughs> scars and warts. All and of the bad stuff has to collect somewhere. And bad teeth and but we skin. But we already have some of that privilege, just like the, the transgender the men who are who, who are physically men, sexually men, but they're but they're competing in women's sports. Don't okay. they have a little bit of a genome advantage? Would uh, you say? Yeah, because they're basically kicking these girls' butts. So you're saying men are better than women? Just no, what you're just said. I'm saying that. You didn't a, say they're better. You said un, they're in stronger a, in, a, in an unfair and faster, environment, and they're right. faster. Yeah, but women they're have smarter. babies better than men <laughs> <laughs> overall. <laughs> I mean, and that's not even an opinion. That's an actual fact. <laughs> I mean, think about it, though. What if you, well, you can't do your own. It's up to your, it would be up to your parents. Right. So I was like. And somebody's going to be mad and there's going to be parents that are killed over it because somebody didn't think their parents did a good enough job. Mom, you made me flat chested. I don't think any mom. Well, we didn't want you that. having boobs. You can <laughs> yeah. have those when you're 21 and responsible for yourself. Yeah. You can go to, you can go to Maui on your own dime. <laughs> Get your own genome reconstruction. Yeah. But I mean, we're kind of, okay, so but let's, let's face facts. We're kind of living in that world right now. Yeah. We're living in a world right now where people can alter their bodies. You can alter your physical body. Mm-hmm. You can cut you can cut your genitalia off or you can restructure your genitalia. Uh, we're not in a place where we can go in and physically change the, the ribonucleic acid, right. your RNA, your DNA. DNA. We can't do that because that double helix, that is imprinted on your body. On your body. I mean, it is who you are from the moment that 
sperm fertilizes that egg and you are conceived and now you are a zygote. Boom. It is imprinted. It that is. DNA for the rest <laughs> of your life is right there. That blueprint for life is there. We can't alter that. And that's what we're talking about because we're talking about people. And I believe people, if they could do it, they would do it because oh, yeah. they're already getting boobs. They're already getting facelifts. They're getting nose jobs. They're getting, you know, teeth re- restructured. But nothing lasts forever. No, no matter how perfect you make somebody, nothing will last forever. Unless plus, you're Wayne plus, Newton. That dude is pulled freaking tight. Well, Have he you might seen have Sophia gotten Loren that. lately? Yeah. That chick is just like whistling in the wind. She's so tight. I mean, she is aerodynamic at this point. But that's on the outside. Candice. That's on the outside, being pulled from the outside. We're talking about the inside. That's right. but that's and the inside doesn't always make the outside. I mean, you know, here's another thing that we haven't thought about, Steve. You know, what about organs and cancer and, and, and other things? When you start trying to make everything perfect, something is going to mess up. That's just how it is because we're, we haven't brought in the environment. We haven't brought in cigarette smoke and, and environmental hazards and all the fast food that we eat. All that's going to make. Why you got to pick on everything I do? I like some Taco Bell. I don't smoke. No, you don't. But I don't I do smoke drink. either. You do drink. Fast food. I have a cigar once or twice a yeah, year. Yeah, but I'm talking about smoking every day. Yeah, I know what you mean. But no, you're right. What were you going to say, Steve? Sorry, Steve. I don't remember now. Yeah. Well, you are so dumb. <laughs> See, I would go back in and. You know, make it where I but have if your longer child, term memory. But but then let's look on the flip side of it. If your child had cancer, mm-hmm. had lymph cancer, or you know anything like a lymphoma, yeah, had, okay, had, or yeah, uh-huh. the lymph glands, lymph nodes need to be removed. Just pick a cancer. Yeah, I mean, I hate to even say that and even say it right when Any, it comes in relation they're all to horrible. kids, but or anybody, well, cancer is yeah. a horrible, horrible thing. So cancer. Let me let me break down. You've never heard. You probably never heard this explanation. What cancer is? Cancer is a cell that is in rebellion with the rest of your cells. Your cells always always want to work together. They want to do this thing. There's a symbiosis. There's this rhythm, and that's what makes you live and live healthy. It's all about rhythm. But then all of a sudden, you have a couple of cells that say, "No, we want to go this direction. Mm-hmm. We're rebelling. We don't like that anymore." And so now you have what's a cancer. That cancer has to either be removed, or eventually it's going to it's going to create enough cells in rebellion that the, those cells are going to take over, mm-hmm. and the thing that used to create a rhythm of life is now going to create a rhythm which is actually death, and it ends. Mm-hmm. So you're actually right because you're creating it. But you can't tell me. That if you had a child, let's say you had a 10-year-old who had cancer and you had the ability to go in and, and to genetically recreate what was going on there, that it wouldn't be an awful big temptation to go in and say, okay, at the expense of other things breaking down later, I'm willing to come in now and save their life in order to regene them. Reprogram those cells. To, yeah. I mean, that's basically it. I'm regening them. I'm regenerating so that's a hard question to ask. I mean, but we're not far off from that because I know people would do it because let me, let's face it. If we could, if we could, um, <laughs> funny, it gets into some funny questions here and I'm going to ask them in a second. Well, they're deep questions. And, and, and uh, just let me interject real quick. I'm sorry. We, there's already been couples that have had a child that did have a, a horrible, deadly condition. And then they had another child to help out that first child. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the same thing. It's not genetically perfect, um, but many times it is a match. And, and you know, it, it's easy to sit here because we have not had to experience that. My dad did have cancer, but that's different than your child. Um, you know, I don't know how much... 
I don't think I would be for it to go in and, and do something with the genomes um, because I think that that's going to lead to negativity down the line. Um, and I'm not sure how I, would, how I would feel about having another child to help out the first child. And because then how does that second child feel? Yeah. They, they were just had to help out the first one. I mean, that's, I think it's a hard thing and, and it's hard to speak to because we haven't been in that situation. I just know that human nature is, is we are driven. This is one of the things why I believe in eternal life. I believe we're eternal beings because I think that we have this drive to survive. And there's something, no matter how far down your body goes, because let's face it, the second law of thermodynamics is that law of entropy, which means that anything that is in motion is eventually going to fall apart. It has to. Mm-hmm. If your tires are constantly spinning, constantly spinning, eventually, guess what? That tire is going to experience entropy. It's going to, you've seen it happen on the yeah. highway. You've experienced it. That's the same thing with our human bodies. Now, your human body may fall apart. But your mind, a lot of time, you still think, like, I still think in my mind, I could go out and do what I did when I was 20, 21 years old. I can't do that anymore at the age of 46. Right. That's why something like an Alzheimer's or dementia is such mm-hmm. a horrible thing, because a lot of times people have a very healthy body, but their mind, it's the opposite. Their mind is experiencing entropy and starting right. to fall apart. And you're like, this was a perfectly healthy person. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they lost their mind. And so it's a sad thing to see. But I've seen these people who are 80 years old, 90 years old, and they're still vivacious in their mind but their bodies are falling apart. Yep. And I know we have this drive to quote, live forever and see beyond our own finiteness. Uh, and, and these days we're trying to do it, but, but we're doing it in many ways for an egocentric purpose, trying mm-hmm. to make ourselves look better, feel better, you know, re regene ourselves, resell, you know, stem cell research has come a long, long right. way. There are people who are going out and donating their own blood in order to harvest their own stem cells so that they can have the treatment and therapy to come back in. But even that is not regenerating yourself. No, that is healing and, yourself. Right. But it's I'm not, not against re- that at all. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 not regening mm-hmm. you. So if you could change the genomes, have you ever seen the movie Gattaca? Oh, a long time ago. Yeah, we need to rewatch. I encourage people to go watch the movie Gattaca. Uh, Ethan Hawke and I want to say Jude Law. Want to say Jude Law? Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. But but it was about mm-hmm. a society that basically uh, only kept the genetically pure yeah. around. So a you Star had Star Trek episode. I of think that I've too. watched it with <laughs> you. Old school Star Trek. Yeah, I, I don't it's know. It's a good movie. But it's 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 a telling movie. It's a it's mm-hmm. a very uh, Brave New World, nineteen eighty four ish type. Mm-hmm. Uh, future world where they've made some since then that are like that. They though. have, but this is this is one of those where you had to be genetically perfect. But the, the but the catharsis of this was the um, the the I think it was the Jude Law character, and it might not be Jude Law, so I apologize. But I think it was, and Ethan Hawke character was considered to be less than perfect, but he was actually healthier, even with his flaws. Mm-hmm. He was actually healthier than the genetically perfect uh, anti character who right. was on there. And but he was able to live with that person's identity uh, as being perfect, even though he was genetically flawed. Right. So let me just say that I believe personally on, on that that we're created to be flawed. Mm-hmm. I think we're created because let's face it: if we could just be perfect beings, then we wouldn't have any need for community. We wouldn't have any need for dependence. We wouldn't have any need for faith. We wouldn't ha- need have any need honestly for friendship. We wouldn't have any need for wealth. I mean, why would you have to go out and work? Because if you were a perfect being, then people would just flock right. to you. You'd be a Kardashian. They'd pay you $50,000, $100,000 just to show up, you know, at a deal. And But look at the Kardashians, man. Like, they're looking like crap these days. I mean, there's only so much you can put in your body. There's so much, so much plastique and cement. I mean— uh, Bills will fall off someday. <laughs> I mean, Khloe Kardashian. Was it Courtney Kloda? Courtney was a fox, man. 
I think they were all hot. She done jacked herself up. Now, for a while, Chloe was doing pretty good with the, the stuff, the changes mm-hmm. she was making because she needed some help. But man, she Cor- hosted a show. But yeah. about all of that. Now, and she helped looking, others. Yeah. These girls, man. But, you know, you're right. When when you meet somebody that that tragedy has touched, it makes a big difference. And I always I always and I've told you this before. It's always important when you're talking to somebody not to try to one up your tragedy over somebody else's because um, it's easy to think, well, my tragedy was worse than yours. But it's just different. Every, everything is different. I always um, try to one up somebody. Yes, we know. Good or bad. Yes. Steve does. So don't Tell even a story. I got one to top it. Yeah. Come on. But it's it won't. I just topped your topping. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell a story about topping stories? I can I, top I your topping top story, topping <laughs> story. There we go. <laughs> no, all right. Well, hey, it's something to think about, and I bet you hadn't thought about it. Now, there's probably things that you're sitting around going, yeah, I got a bunch of kids. I got three kids, and that's that one I would like to change. We, we all do that. But, I mean, hey. But that's, Laws make that's us personality. What we They're wanting to change personality, and I don't, you know— I don't know how much changing your genes is going to change personality. Yeah, because if you raise them to be an asshole, mm-hmm. then they're probably going to be the, an mm-hmm. asshole. And the question was, should we? It doesn't matter if we should or we shouldn't. We're still going to do it and try. Yeah. I mean, that's that's their things are headed that way. So anyway, consider it. Enjoy the enjoy the uh, enjoy the future, folks. It's a brave mm-hmm. new world. Everybody, welcome to the Temple of Doom episode of High Balls with Heaton, my good friend Andrew Heaton, host of the best show on Blaze Media. Something's off with Andrew Heaton. What does it feel like to beat out Mark Levin? Mark Levin. Well, you know, we, we've really been squaring off the last twenty years or so, and I, I'm glad to have finally outpaced that guy. <laughs> Mark, catch up with me if you can. He yells a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a yeller. Mark that's Levin. how that's, that's, that's the slow burn I've had. Andrew Heaton, Mighty Heaton on Twitter. Smart guy. Thank you. Fantastic television host. Tell me, how's your day been? It's been really good. You know, it's been a fine Monday. <laughs> See, that's the dynamic of Mark Levin. But then you get life, liberty, Levin! And the guy comes unhinged. So, well, he, he sounds like he's on all caps. <laughs> yes. Just turn off the caps. I was in D.C. a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, hey, give me a, let me go in and sit down with Levin. And they're like, no, he only sits down with celebrities. And I'm like, look at Levin. Don't make me come into your bomb shelter, into your studio bomb shelter. See, and I, I'm more of a semicolon guy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just constantly ushering. Come on in. You're come like, on up, you're like the Senate goes look at this on, thing. You know, don't have to. Oh, my gosh. What do you think about these TV hosts that are out there? I mean, you, you ever – there's. There, do you ever wonder, like, how does some of these people have a job? <laughs> I mean, Glenn Beck, for example. Glenn I mean, this Beck. guy. This guy. <laughs> Glenn Beck, Stu Berger, Jeffy. Those guys, I know. I, uh, uh, on the big spectrum, on the really big spectrum, not mentioning anyone that you've mentioned, uh, I, I think there's a tendency to kind of hammer home um, – our team's the good team. The other team's the bad team. Oh. I find that a bit exhausting. I don't really like that, I to agree. be honest with you. I agree. Uh, but, uh, but I like all the three people you mentioned. I do, too. I'm big fans of Glenn Beck. Uh, I'm big fans of uh, Stuberger and Jeffy. 
Yeah, two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, Stu's terrible. <laughs> I was going to say Jeffy, but whatever. Either way, Glenn Beck's the godfather. Yeah, he's he, you know, you know, so he's a pontiff. Like like when I when I came in, I, I was a little bit hesitant uh, coming onto the blaze because I it's more conservative than I am, and yeah. and uh, and I was I was worried about um, how I was going to fit in that kind of thing. And I I mentioned a couple issues to Glenn and said like now if, if I do this, you know that I sit here on this particular thing, and he was like yeah, like do a good job with it. And and I, I brought up a couple of scenarios where I went, you know, I don't know how 2020 is going to go. I don't know who I'm going to vote for, depending on what the matrix is. If I did this, what would you do? And he's like, if you if you endorsed Elizabeth Warren, I would ask you to come on my show and have a good conversation with me about it. And I've done things on my show that I, I would not have thought would be uh, standard fare for some of the other people of the place. Yeah. They've all been supportive and they've all like, go do it. Do a well, good show, man. You know, because and this is the thing that I catch. And I, and I wish everybody in the listening audience would understand, not everybody who does this is as dogmatic about things as we tend to come across. I mean, we believe what we believe in our convictions. Otherwise, you wouldn't watch us. We, we talk about what we believe, but I think that people apply a certain level of dogmatism to us that they think, well, you don't have room for anybody else in your life. Last week, I had a show where the lieutenant governor of Texas came to the show, visited with us before the show. He and his wife were fans, sat down front and center of the deal, and I posted a picture with him, and people were just jumping all over us. How dare you take your picture with this man? And I'm like, look, I've never met another human being I agree with 100%. I've had people, and I'm sure you have too, like, why in the world would you go and be a part of a network that Glenn Beck is a part of? And I'm like, What? I mean, he's never been anything but gracious and understanding to me. And that's what goes along with everybody else as a part of this network. They don't, I don't, they didn't say, okay. I've, I've had a great time here. I didn't, have to find, I didn't have to sign a doctrinal statement. And, I, and I'll say, I've, I've never, like, I've, I've, I've about a, a two months ago, I brought on a transgender comedian on my show. I, I just they have did those? A, they do. They've got a couple of, oh, I, 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 did a, I did a couple of shows on climate change. Like, I did things that, that may not have sat really well with, like, the, the median core of listeners. And like everybody was in favor of that, they were like, "You need to do what you need to do. Do like like make a quality program that you get behind." And like I've had, I've had nothing but support the entire time. Yeah. Well, I support you. Thank you. You can come out anytime. I support you, and I will always love you. We'll we'll still do Christmas. I'm not gay, but if they made a gay pill, <laughs> I would take it, and I would try just and get you. I would, I would try and get you to take one too. It's, I would take it, but it's just the pain I fear. It's like I like I don't, I'm not a. I, it's not the. Oh, uh, then you went just past my pain. comfort zone. It's just <laughs> <laughs> I, I this nice moment. It's, you're like, oh, I'm gonna take it over here now. That's my no-no square. You don't touch me there. I just don't want. Like I'll take the pill. But it's the pain I fear. You know what I'm saying? Like I could be by gay. what you mean the emotional pain, right, Chad? No, by that I mean the the the, the butt rearrangement that's going to happen, <laughs> like the like that prison spell. You yeah, know, that, when I did my I nickel down in Huntsville, in Texas, and got picked up hitchhiking and was walking with a limp. Anyway, let's pick a topic out of the head, okay, and see how uncomfortable we can make Andrew Heaton. We're already at like a factor <laughs> six or so. I just—I I mean, just, like if we're between. Did, 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 did you see the telepathy I did? One. Did you see the telepathy I did with your producer? I went, okay. <laughs> Give him the wink. I mean, if we're on a scale of one to gluttony, we're at Michael Moore. Oh, this is one that me and my producer talked about several times. Oh, sweet lord! Uh, is hierarchy necessary for all successful human communities? Is hierarchies necessary for all? Successful human communities. Uh, okay. 
So I'll kick it off with this platform. Hillary Clinton wrote a book, says it takes a village. That was the name of the book. Mm -hmm. And basically, uh, while the sentiment I tend to agree with, um, I, I, I think that a lot of people ran with that and they tried to make that say everybody across the board is equal and it takes everybody putting in the same amount of input and the same kind of – and so it's because they took – I think what what is a socialist view of that ideology of everybody across – but let's face it, we've seen historically that socialism doesn't work because there's always going to be those who are more equal than others to be George Orwell-esque. And it has so a bad track record. It has it a is not bad done well. track record. So is it necessary? Hmm. I just don't think it's possible. Hmm. Okay. So like th- this is fascinating because like, like uh, this is something where, where my uh, – Producer and I have spoken several times is about Jordan Peterson because mm-hmm. this is apparently one of his sticking points yeah. is that, that hierarchies are necessary. And I, I think – I don't think they're necessary, but I think part of what's built into this conversation is there's a kind of mental filter that we're all bringing. So uh, I think that there's a different epistemological model for progressives, libertarians, and conservatives. Progressives tend to see everything through the lens of uh, oppressor and victim, everything. Uh, libertarians, and I, I fall broadly into this category, tend to see things as coercive or voluntary. And I think conservatives broadly t- tend to see things as civilization versus barbarism. And so with this particular situation of a, a hierarchy, from my vantage point, I'm like, well, are you making anybody do anything? Well, I, I don't care then. Like, I, so so like, I don't really have like I, – I don't – I have no desire to – when I hear hierarchy, I hear – is there some sort of chain of command that I have to support? And I don't really have any chain of command I want to support. Like if we've got a tradition that has somebody at the head of it, I'm like, well, I don't know. Okay, I don't really feel compelled to, to that's carry that. because you're a white male that's already on top. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> but uh, by that same token, though, like I, if, if you're coming from the conservative camp, though, I think there might be some sort of uh, kind of echo of, well, there's an institution that I like. Mm-hmm. And, and that institution has a hierarchical structure to it. And I don't want to see that kicked over. So I come at it, and I, we tend to do this when we get together. I tend to come at it from a theological perspective that says that community by creation is a hierarchical nature. So, for instance, if you are a Trinitarian as a you know as a Christian, let's mm-hmm. say, and theologically you believe in a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit, you believe in one God that's divided, not divided, but is is represented in three personhoods. There is a hierarchy even inside the, quote, Godhead, where the Father has authority, the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit, but yet they are co-equal. So how do you look at that community where you say, okay, like the President of the United States, while in terms of hierarchy, holds a position of esteem higher than I do as a lowly podcast host, he's still a man. So he's equal in that sense, and we know that our President has a lot of frailties a lot of flaws, a lot of sins and scars, but he's just a man. But there is that hierarchy of leadership. I almost think we demand it. I think we do in the family unit. I think that's why traditionally we have looked, and, and again, people have complained about the patriarchy of the man being the head of the household. Uh, I think that even when people carry the same position producing a, a television show, let's say there's co-producers, 
I always think there's going to be one who's going to rise up and say they become the figurehead, if not the authoritative head in the voice. I think you're I think you're right about that creatively. Like I uh, one of the things I've learned over the last few years, because I've done a bunch of creative projects. I know you have, too, is that when when you try and make it um, to where the whole group is making a decision at any given time, it becomes very problematic. And Mm -hmm. I've worked on programs, too, where uh, it was somebody else's thing. And I was like, it's your call. And, and vice versa, I, I do find I, I'll say like in a creative ca- uh, capacity, uh, I, I do like having somebody in charge, uh, mm-hmm. it, even if it's not me. It tends to work better. It's fun to have somebody to go to. Uh, yeah, but just uh, like I, I guess I just I don't want to have um, if I'm putting together a sketch show or something. It, it if I have to go around to everybody and be like, are you okay with this decision we've made? That becomes problematic. However, let, let me pause it to you. I'm unmarried, right? Uh, I, I I will hopefully get married at some point. But if my if my unit had a different hierarchy, are you okay with that? Like if if I if uh, the the wife made all of the decisions on some given field that was different than what you guys do in yours, or is that okay? I think that there are shared responsibilities and shared roles, even even outside of what we would consider a hierarchy or an authority structure. So I think there has to be a final word. Let's say you have a. A, a staff of football coaches and everybody has a different philosophy of how the offense and the defense and how the play should be run and who calls the plays. At the end of the day, it's the head coach that takes all the responsibility. We've created that. So in the home, like I have no problem and it takes nothing away from my masculinity or sense of responsibility to say that when it comes to monthly bill paying, my wife handles that because I know myself and just things wouldn't get paid. You know what I mean? Now, does that take away from my authority? No. Does that take away from my sense of responsibility? No. Because if it fell on me, yes, it would It would get paid. It would get taken care of. Um, and, and at the same time, I'm also happy to say that my wife goes out and, and she's an accomplished professional as well as an educated person who's you know done so much in her own life, in her own career. It doesn't take anything away from me. But I think at the end of the day that anything with two visions is division. That's division. Anything mm-hmm. with two heads is a monster. So if, you, if you're going to look towards leadership, there has to be at the end of the day one final say that should, be, that should come from the communal, that should come from the conglomerate, that, that ability to listen to the voices of everyone and say, okay, this is, what, this is what I think as I'm hearing and understanding in my wisdom, this is the way things should be. I think that humanity craves that. I think they desire it. I think that if they don't have it in a healthy way, they'll even create it in an unhealthy way. It's led to so much atrocities. I mean, let, name the leaders, the leaders who stand up, like the good leaders. Like we don't sit around extolling the benefits of a Millard Fillmore. We don't. <laughs> but you know, but uh, we, good we old don't. Millard. Millard Fillmore. We don't. We don't talk about Rutherford B. Hayes. We really don't know much about these guys. You know, these are – but Pol Pot, we know. Hitler, we know. Mao Zedong, we know. Uh, well, I would the, pick a Millard Fillmore over any of the guys you just <laughs> exactly, mentioned. Exactly, you would. But that's what I'm saying. We tend to – but again, we tend to know even the negative aspects of so-called leadership or authority over the ones that are obscure because I think we're driven to those people who have risen to the top, whether it's evil or bad. And and for those of us, the rest of us peons, we're those proverbial crabs down in the boiling water that as the water gets hotter and the one crab gets a claw up on the edge and tries the crab the other crabs pull them back down and with them. Because it's like, how dare you rise to the top? So so is is the thing because like this this is something that as I said, I, I I talked to my producer about a few times and, and like fans of Jordan Peterson in general, this is something that didn't quite hit me. 
um, is 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 basically the the main thrust is there's going to have to be an authority, and we just want to acknowledge that authority exists. Yeah. Because my we're, we're the, the the bit where I I don't want to come along for the journey is. Um, there is going to be an authority, and we should support the existing authority because I don't necessarily want to do that, right? If it's always been that there's a king or there's a bishop or whatever, I'm like, I don't care. I don't like, like, who's that guy? I don't want to necessarily support that guy. So for me, like, I, I guess I, I'm fine with authority existing. It's it's the inertia of it that I don't like. Mm-hmm. My summary on the topic is this, and I just this is you know is I think that if you're going to have any authority in your life, like personal authority. You have to be under authority. And I think if you're not willingly able to submit to authority, at some point in time, there will be an authority that places you under authority. So if I want to live without authority in my life, go out, break every law and live in total anarchy, eventually there's going to be somebody with the authority of a badge who's going to come along, put handcuffs on me and put me in a cage, and they're going to exert their authority over me. So to the degree that I can submit to authority and say, this is the authority, this is the structure that is set uh, to that degree, I can operate under that and have authority myself. Now, that's my personal philosophy, and we could go deeper and deeper in that stuff. But again, there's a difference between what I see as hierarchy and authority, because okay. there's there's negative authority and there's positive authority. I don't want to submit to to negative authority. What, what is I, negative? What, like what, I, what? I don't want to like like if it, like if a woman is in in a household with an abusive husband, don't submit to that. Get the hell out. Okay. Don't live with that. That's not. That's not. But but again, if you want to go back and people can call me sexist or aged or puritanical or whatever. But but I still say if you're in a loving relationship and again, I don't we're not talking. I'm just talking about a typical man and woman, typical man and woman. They're in a loving household relationship, marriage relationship. That woman is is actually protected in many ways by the hierarchy of of her husband's authority because. While he may be the head, we can use the old adage, well, she's the neck that turns the head. Because let's let's face it, I, and I'm not saying this biblical women submit to your husbands, because the Bible also says Christians submit to one another. Same, same word, same concept, which means that a male Christian has to submit to a female Christian in the same way. There's mutual submission that's defined in, in that regard, but there's protection in that submission. There's protection in that. I hope that by submitting to my state's government, my local government, my civil government, that there's protection in that. I, I hope that that I can live with a with with the, you know, if, if if the light turns green, I can cross that road with a simple peace of mind. In general, believing that everybody else is going to submit to that higher authority and stop at that red light. Okay. When well, they don't stop at it, when they defy that authority. It's dangerous. You know, at one point um, in in Chinese history, the Communist Party thought about – I think it was in Shanghai, but they they thought in general about changing red lights to mean go because they wanted red. Because communism is good, communism right? Red's is red, good. yeah. And green's going to be so- – and then they, they – like, to their credit, they did have it – like they thought about it. Like, you know what? There's going to be kind of a transition cost in doing this. Maybe we shouldn't do that. This is a trivia you get on High Balls with the yeah, people. you get that. Uh, so like a, a couple of follow-up questions to that. So like like uh, again, like for me, the, the main thing about like I uh, – I, I I hear what you're saying. I don't feel like I emotionally resonate with it as quickly. 
Uh, I don't have a desire to plug myself into a pyramid, and that's kind of what I want. Or, I'm or not a caste system. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah. yeah, a caste system sounds terrible to me. And part of that for me is uh, if if I if I'm ob- obliged to do it, or whether I'm voluntarily doing it. So, like a marriage, I'm I'm a part of a marriage. We can work something out, right? Um, but if if it's like a if it's a bishop, like do I can I walk? Can I can I go be a Quaker or do I have to be do I have to be a part of whatever the structure is? That for me is the defining characteristic. I would agree with that. Okay, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, there are nuances to this. That's the beauty of what we do, Eaton. There are there are a lot of nuances because when you're well, talking about hierarchy, are you talking government? Are you talking about familial? Are you talking about well, local civic? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's 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 multivariate. And then the other thing, but before I forget, is just out of crush because because I I have um I I I see the need to have uh, an authority in various situations. I get that you you can't have actually if we go back to revolutionary history, like like George Washington really didn't like people from Connecticut because people <laughs> from Connecticut were like, why do you get to be general? Why can't we vote on who's general? He yeah. he didn't like that, right? Yeah. So like, like no, but if we're in a war, we need to have a general. I get that, right? Um, but but if 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 you're going to have these things, do you do you necessarily you know if you're just going into like a a bar or you're going into uh, I don't know like book club or whatever, do you do you try to identify who the authority is and then be deferential to them? Because I, that, that's not something that I, I think, think I want to do. I think that the authority tends to identify itself. So we have this idea of alpha males versus beta males. We have alpha dogs. We have the pack. We have the following. So I have this illustration, if I could speak, illustration that I use from time to time about dogs that travel in packs. They'll do one of four things. They'll sleep. They'll eat. They'll fight amongst one another, and if unthreatened, they'll allow new members into the pack. It's it's a pack mentality. That is until a rabbit passes by, and then the ones that are sleeping will stop and chase the rabbit. If, they, if, they, or if they're sleeping, they'll wake up. They're eating. They'll stop. If they're blah, blah, blah. And you can join the pack freely if you're willing to get in the chase. So we, we have this pack mentality, but at some point in time, we realize somebody's leading the pack, and it's usually pretty quick. Bar scenarios are pretty interesting. Go, go back and watch. What was the... Uh, Mel Gibson movie um, about where you could hear women's thoughts, what women uh, want. What women really what women, want. What, what women, women want. want. Yeah. And, and I mean, it does a great example of the alpha male. You just see the guy who's typically a douchebag, but you see the one that the rest of the beta males are tending to just suck up to. And they're like, what do you want to do today, Spike? What do you want to Shut up. You know, that's the kind of thing. And then, it, well, so, that sounds terrible. I don't want to help that. Bit. <laughs> exactly, but you don't want to fit in that. No, you don't want to fit in that. However, we still tend to look towards those. Like, for instance, okay. Do you have? So, yeah. I, do I, you have? Let's say, do you have a person whose mind you admire, but you think they're probably a? Oh, like I do. Yeah, I know. No, there's personally. a lot of people. Like, like I know. I, know I do. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> Jennings from off camera. He. <laughs> Heaton's producer from off camera. Is it Steve Jobs? I do. Is it Steve Jobs? <laughs> Like, yeah, okay, yeah, so sure. I've had him on this show, and I hope to have him again. And I, I admire him. I greatly admire him. Uh, Dennis Miller. Hmm. Like, I, I love Dennis's mind. I love his his intellectual comedy. I love the way he thinks. Don't agree with him on everything. Don't have to agree with him. I don't, who gives a – who cares? But he's a, he's a dick. I mean, I mean, he's just – you know, he's just not the guy that if you pass him on the street, he's not going to say, hey, what's up, man? Slap you on the back. He's going to keep walking. Be like, okay, whatever. 
So, I mean, do you have people like that? So, yeah. so the point yeah, yeah. is, I'm I, I, just saying. Steve Jobs, I think. Like, he was Steve probably Jobs. an asshole. I don't well, want to work Jobs. Steve Jobs. I mean, here's Steve he Jobs who kicks his guy. shoes off, walks around barefoot, and puts him on the feet, you know, or puts his feet up on the table, and he's having these staff meetings in a billion-dollar company. So, yeah. But was he a great leader? Was well, so, he a great... so is, is the but thing there was then... no question, as hippie as he was, there was no question he was in charge. So is the, is the main thing then, when we, when we talk about hierarchy, and this, this might be where I got caught up, um, is the main thing, it's not that you've got like an existing structure that you want to maintain. It's that you just want to have a structure. Is that it? Like you just, you just want I, no, someone no. to make the calls. Let me, let me come down. <laughs> I, I gave my summary of this conversation five minutes ago, and I'm going to do another one. Some people can't lead themselves. That's, that's just a simple fact of human nature. Some people cannot lead themselves. My God, I got, I got people in my life like that right now. I mean, they just don't look at me like that, Steve. I'm not talking about you. I got people, I, you, some people just can't lead themselves. And so as long as that is a fact of life, and it is a fact of life, you're going to have people who emerge as the leaders. They're going to be there. There's going to be that hierarchy. There will be that pecking order. There will be that. That's why things like socialism and communism are such scary fascism, Marxism, scary ideas, because someone's going to rise to the top. Now, people are looking at places like Norway and Sweden and Finland and saying, well, these are great examples of socialism. They're not. They're capitalistic. No, they're not, yeah. they're yeah. capitalism. Yeah. But they do have an expanded social program. But here's the thing. When the money runs out, just hope that somebody benevolent rises to the top, because if they're not benevolent, you wind up with a Mao Zedong or Pol Pot or uh, then you or Joseph Stalin, you got a problem because once the economy fails, guess what? Now you got to come to the hierarchy and say, we're hungry. And you hope they're benevolent. And they don't just put you out on a ship. Well, the door shut and sink it. Yeah, I think I think my my take is you uh, you've made a very good point about the need for leadership. I mm -hmm. agree with you on that, uh, which, am, which, by the way, I will say is hugely lacking in our world today, especially in American politics. And I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about everyone. There is, we don't do leadership anymore. We do politicians. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I am fine with that, uh, but I want the ability to leave it if I want. Um, so I'm fine with hierarchy if I don't have to be a part of it. And I see that there are lots of situations where the hierarchy is very great. Like it's great for this given project. Like if I, I can't organize a football team based on my things, right? Like because it'd be like, hey, what do you want to be? You want to be quarterback? Uh, that's Everybody gets to be quarterback on Andrew Heaton's that's team, right? That's a great example. So like, that, that makes sense to me. I follow that. But, however, if you've got some head that's coach of the team that's like, you want to be quarterback? You go to hell. You're going to make shoes. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. So, like, like my thing is I'm fine with hierarchies, and I'm fine with the hierarchies existing. I'm just not going to defend them. As long as I have the ability to leave, they can have them as much as they want. They might work well, and I'll go to them when they work well. But if they don't work well, I want the ability to leave. What a <laughs> that's like saying, that's like saying, I don't get to be the quarterback. I'm taking my football and going home. I'll stay on your good team. I'm, but, just, but saying, I'm, if, I'm just saying. But, but if you but, got a but, terrible team where the, the, the guy wants us all to be the win back or whatever the you, worst position is in football, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to stick in your stupid hierarchy. I'm going to go to the other. I'm going to go to the Giants. I'm first string win back. <laughs> I mean, win back. I mean, I mean, whatever it is. There's a place I get to. I'm Waterboy. No, I. That's. But, that, but I mean, yeah, that's my thing. Is you what you're saying? If I'm interpreting it right, is is I'm okay to be on the team as long as I can leave the team. Yes, hundred percent. Like at some point in time, if I don't 100%. like my position on the team, if, if if your team turns out to be terrible, I want the ability to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, therein, therein 
right there, I think you sum up, summarized what I would call American privilege because we're so accustomed to the ability of being able to leave the team. Like you lived in Scotland. Mm-hmm. There was no one that stopped you from living in Scotland. You could live in Scotland right now today. There's no law keeping you from living in Scotland. You could, you could leave. Yeah, I could. You could. Yeah. So, so that's the beauty. But if I'm, in, if I'm in the killing fields of Cambodia in 1978, it's a whole other story. Well, I think they should – anybody that's uh, about to be killed by Pol Pot should be able to leave. Exactly. And I will argue with you that I think this is the most American thing because if we go back to like 1850, 1880, whatever, uh, and I'm living in Maryland and and some dickhead governor comes up and wants to make me do stuff, I can go, no, you know what, I'm not going to do Virginia. that. You meant Virginia. You meant Virginia. Virginia's fine. <laughs> you know what, I don't – you know what, actually, no, I'm not going to participate in this thing. I'm going to go out west and I'm going to make a, a, a gold mine out in like, you know uh, – uh, Moose County, Iowa, and that's yeah. the thing I'm going to do. Like yeah. I, I feel like America had America had a, a right to exit, and that's the thing I want. I want to make sure I have a right to exit. I'm okay with hierarchies existing as long as I have the right to exit. As a single man, I'm going to encourage you always, whenever you get into a new relationship, have an exit strategy. <laughs> know when you're going in. Know when you're going in. Because let me tell you, it doesn't take her less than six hours after sex to start going, so, <laughs> so how do you feel about all of this? And you go, I want a gun! I want out! (laughs) Brexit! (laughs) Sexit? Sexit? Oh my God, did we just come up with that? I need a sexit movement. Good job. Sexit. Sexit. (laughs) Hashtag sexit. Once again, folks, we've gone over time. This is a week. Hell, we should probably talk for 10 more minutes and make a full episode out of this thing. But I'm done. Because I've been drinking. Me too. Highballs with Eaton. Ah, my swear to God. I'm telling you, Blaze Media, this is the most underrated thing you have right here together. Did you know that a horse, a pack horse, can sled pull 2,000 pounds by himself? What does any of that mean? But two sled horses can pull 8,000 pounds. It sounds together. like a lot of sled horsing. No, just two horses. You would think that two could pull four, but no, they pull eight because together they pull exponentially amount of weight. Yeah, horses. Andrew Heaton. Chad that sounds Prather. like a guy who didn't have a, a, a sex it plan. <laughs> Who's still pulling that load. <laughs> hey, drop a load, pull a load, whatever. That's what I'm saying. Hashtag sex it. <laughs> Always have an exit strategy, boys. And that's what you're going to take away from this hierarchy conversation on Highballs with Heaton. Follow him at Mighty Heaton. You need to tune in, subscribe to Something's Off with Andrew Heaton, you go to blazetv.com slash Mighty Heaton. Mighty Heaton. And you can get everything you need to get that will educate you. And we'll even tell you a little bit about whiskey along the way. We love y'all. God bless. And we'll talk to you next time on another episode of Heaton.